0: Inside your program this morning is an outline of my sermon, and, uh, and it's a little different than usual. There's fill-in-the-blanks, and so you're going to want to have a pencil or a pen and actually stay awake to fill it in and get all those blanks filled in as you listen to our study today. And in your Bibles, we're studying from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, if you did not get a program, put up your hand, and I'll ask uh, Andre, uh, if you would, to hand out bulletins, if there are any more back there, to anyone who needs a program. And Isaiah 9, 6 is actually the last verse on the last point on the second page there, is our jump off for our study. We, we are in the season of Advent, and we're studying the names of Jesus, four of them. And today, now we turn our attention to the first of those names. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So far, the reading of God's Word. We all need counselors in our lives. All of us. You say, oh no, Pastor John, not me. I'm, I'm getting along quite well in life and, and I've sort of got everything figured out. I don't need a counselor. But if you've ever talked to a lawyer, if you've ever spoken to a social worker, if you've ever had a teacher in your school that you trusted and, and, and you spoke to, If you've ever spoken to your parents and asked their advice, if you've ever had a therapist who's been alongside you, you've had counseling. What do they call the, the lawyer in the courtroom? They call him counselor, you see. That's one who gives counsel and advice, and everyone needs counseling. What makes any of these people a good counselor? Well, this morning I want us to think together about, in fact, what does make someone a good counselor. And then I want you to see that this name for Jesus Christ, this messianic title, wonderful counselor, is rightfully his name. And he is the, not just King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's the counselor of counselors. And I want you to know why today. The first, I, I, I took a lot of counseling courses when I was in seminary and I dug out my notes uh, this week and I poured through them. And I remember in my introduction to counseling course, Dr. Bettler leaning over the podium and he said, the first thing that's important for you to know about being a counselor as a pastor is that you better learn how to listen Have you ever had you know, you know, someone, you wanted to talk to them about something you were going through, and before your bottom even hit the, hit the seat, they were full of advice. And they never even listened. But a good counselor is someone who knows how to listen. And Jesus was like that. In both his earthly ministry and his heavenly ministry. Think about it. Some of the stories of Jesus are so wonderful. After his resurrection, he's on the road to Emmaus, and he comes, bumps into Cleopas and his friend, and they are depressed. Remember that? And Jesus says to them, he asks them a question. What are you guys talking about? Well, all these things that are going on, don't you know about all these things in Jerusalem? And Jesus, I love this, asks another question, he says, what things? And he allows them, he knows, but he allows them to just spill their heart out in front of him, you see, and that's our Jesus. In his earthly ministry, do you remember when he met the woman at the well at Samaria? Remember that encounter? And it's it's a dialogue. He he inquires of her. He hears from her. He hears her heart. And then he speaks to her heart. Isn't that fantastic about Jesus? Any good counselor will do that. They will listen. They are good listeners. But you know, it's not just Jesus in his earthly ministry that makes him a good counselor. Today, in his heavenly ministry, the Bible says that he hears us. In 1 John 5, 14, we are told, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he, you know what the next word is? He hears us. It's right there in your program. He hears us. He hears me when I call. And even in Psalm uh, 27, David says, hear, O Lord, when I cry out. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, I do seek. And when he says, hear my voice, he's he's not like, I hope you'll hear me. it's, It's an expression of faith. Your God, your Lord Jesus Christ hears you. The Bible says he even hears you when you groan. That's what he hears. He hears you when you groan. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the burden of your life so you can speak to him anytime, any place. He doesn't put you on hold. You're not listening to Muzak. He hears you at the right hand of the Father. He's a good listener. The second, so he has listening skills. Listening skills. That's the first blank there. Now the next thing that you get, the next two are cousins of each other. A good counselor has empathy and sympathy, empathy. What is empathy? Empathy is when you know that your counselor cares. His emotions respond to your emotions. He, you can tell he's concerned about the predicament in which you find yourself. He, he actually, he's paying attention. He's seeing you, and his heart is with you. See, that's what. Empathy is. And in the life of Jesus, we read again and again how he is filled with compassion toward people. Did you ever notice that? As you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My favorite story, well, one of them is that in Luke 7, when he meets the widow of Nain, and it says, soon after he went into a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her, and now pay attention. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. He saw her. What is, what is that? Just that word. He saw her. He's paying attention to her. Have you ever gone to somebody for advice or counsel and they're looking at their watch? You know, oh, got a text. Got a, excuse me, got a text. You ever have that sense? They're just not there. But a good counselor has empathy. They are concerned. They care. And Jesus has this in abundance. He has compassion for you. The Bible says he collects your tears. His empathy is rich and deep for you, and the cousin of that is sympathy. And sympathy is the ability to identify with another person. To say, You know, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And that gives your counsellor credibility when they can relate to to what you've been facing. And I have to tell you that Jesus Christ is called the Wonderful Counselor because He knows you. He knows what you are made of. And He knows what you are tempted by. And we see it right in Hebrews chapter 2. It's in your, in your outline there. It says, Hebrews 2.17, Therefore, He had to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of his people. How was he made? In his incarnation? Just like you. Never think for a moment that Jesus doesn't understand, because he does. You say, but Pastor, you don't know the temptations I face, the ugliness that's in my heart. And we read in Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know, sometimes people think that if you're a part of the church, you're never allowed to be weak. How are you? Never better. Fine. But the writer of Hebrews assumes you will be weak. I will be weak, okay? Let's get over pretentious, plastic smiles and phony responses. You know, I say in the membership class when, when Michael Wick invites you to stand and sing with joy and you feel like sitting and crying, what should you do? North Shore Community Church, you sit and cry. Hopefully, somebody will come put their arm around you or pray for you. We are weak. But the Bible says Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness and in our temptation. And so there's no temptation that he doesn't get. You say, oh, but I've been abandoned. Jesus was abandoned. My spouse committed adultery. Jesus, the Lord, was married to Israel in the book of Hosea. uh, And the book of Ezekiel tell us that his bride committed adultery against him. I've been lied to, so was Jesus. I've been unfairly accused and slandered, so was Jesus. I've been beaten, so was Jesus. And oh, my friends, Jesus knows what you're going through. This is why he is the wonderful counselor. He has the best listening skills. He's strong in empathy and sympathy for you. But you know, Somebody is saying, that's fine, that's the, uh, he's, that's, he makes him a wonderful counselor, but what will he do for me? <laughs> what have you done for me lately? What will he do? And this is where, w- when you watch what's going on in the world of psychology and the schools of therapy, it, it's called the helping, uh, the helping system. Helping, that's what psychologists and therapists and psychiatrists want to do. They want to help people. It's the helping world. What will they do for you? And in the next couple of these, you see what he does, what a good counselor does, is he deals with your fears and the direction of your life. He he guides you to security and significance. Security and significance. What do I mean by this? Uh, The great psychologist Abraham Maslow said, there is a deep drive inside of every person for safety. Safety inside every person. Who will take care of me? How will I be secure in this life? And I have anxieties that run deep in my soul, and a good counselor will help you find security and give you answers that guide you there. But Jesus Christ is the one who gives you true security far more than any counselor ever could. What do I mean by that? Look at the text in John 10:28 and 29. We read this to Eric as he was joining the church this morning. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Do you even feel the redundancy there? He says it twice. You are safe in the hand of Jesus. Do you believe that today? In all your anxieties, in all your fears, no one can snatch you out of the hand of your savior. It's interesting, uh, in, in, in Central Asia today, reports, Christianity Today and other places, in Central Asia, there is a large turning of people to Christ. Many people are becoming Christians In Central Asia, in Turkmenistan, and and all the stands over there. But it's against the law, right? And there is persecution. And so one report uh, says this this is what we tell each other in the church. I was slandered in my business for my faith, but at least I wasn't beaten. And someone else is saying, I was beaten for my faith in Christ, but at least they, hadn't, they didn't take away my home. And someone else says, They took away my home for my faith in Christ, but at least I didn't go to prison. And someone else says, I went to prison. I'm in prison for my faith in Jesus Christ, but at least they haven't killed me. And someone else says, I was killed for my faith in Jesus Christ and now I'm in the presence of my faithful savior who's received me home. You see my friends wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your lot in life, you are secure in Jesus Christ. He guides you into all security. Now someone else says for me my the issues are I'm just not sure where I'm going in life. I get up in the morning and I, I wake up in the morning and I don't even feel like getting out of bed. I don't know how to find purpose and meaning in my life. And Abraham Maslow says that deep in every man's soul, every woman's soul, is a desire for significance, for their life to count, to have meaning and purpose. And a good counselor, Maslow says, is someone who will guide you toward personal significance in your life so that your life really matters. We all long for that. But Jesus Christ says this. The wonderful counselor, he says this. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life from the wonderful counselor who offers that to you. Do you know Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter If you're a doctor or a lawyer, a stay-at-home mother, it doesn't matter if you're a student. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the, the hub of the wheel of your life is governing all the spokes of the wheel of your life by Jesus Christ, then meaning and significance comes into your life no matter where you are. Friends, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. If you say when you wake up in the morning, I'm not so sure if my life even counts, Go to Christ. He will show you. The next person in line says, well, you know, <laughs> security and significance is fine and good, but I've got to learn how to live with my wife. I need to learn how to get along with my colleagues at work. I struggle with what to say to my children I don't know how to relate to my parents. And any good psychologist will say that we are born into what are called family systems. Family systems. Write that down. Family systems. And a good counselor knows that you are not just a a human being, but you are born into, you live in a set of relationships. Relationships. We are relational creatures. And so, so much counseling, whether you're a lawyer, social worker, therapist, or just a, a mom or a dad, so much of our counseling is tied up in showing people how to relate to each other. Now, there's a whole school of psychology called family systems therapy. Virginia Satter from Philadelphia. She, she's the mother of that movement, and it's quite a br- interesting, brilliant movement where they talk about the horizontal relationships we have in life and how they break down. Of course, <laughs> Virginia Satter never uses the word sin. You hear words like dysfunctional family. That's where the term dysfunctional came from. You don't talk about sinful relational dynamics. That's, that's our terminology because that's biblical terminology. But there is a breakdown in the way we relate to each other. They don't talk about adultery. They talk about inappropriate boundaries being crossed. <laughs> But, but, you see, the, the Jesus Christ is the greatest family systems counselor because all of Christianity is about family systems in an ultimate sense. Think about it. In Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it says, But when the time had fully come, in the fullness of time, that's what Michael Rogers was reading about on that first Christmas morning. When the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And it's Jesus Christ who restores us to that vertical relationship with the Father, And it's Jesus Christ, men, that teaches you how to love your wives. And it's Jesus Christ, women, who teaches you how to love and honor, to respect your husbands, moms and dads, how to talk to your children, children, how to relate to your parents. And he gives the Spirit into our hearts, and his word guides and governs us. Are you with me in this? Jesus Christ is the greatest family systems therapist that ever walked the earth. Somebody else says, well, yeah, okay, that's, that's very good. But I'm just a mess. And I don't know what's going on in my own heart. And if I'm honest, I can't even figure out my own, my own heart. What do I need? I need insight. Insight. And that's the next word to fill in on your outline. I need insight. Insight into myself and into the relational dynamics all around me, insight. And you see, this is where Sigmund Freud was so interesting. Freud Freud got a lot wrong, okay? Let me just be right up front. His whole system is, is, is based on id, ego, superego. It's just c- some kind of theoretical construction that has no correspondence to reality. But what Freud was trying to do was he was trying to say, Listen, what's going on in the unconscious, okay? What's going on in the unconscious, in that, that cauldron of the human heart that shapes the way I behave and the attitudes that I have toward other people? And Freud knew it was more than just surface behavior. There's something going on underneath. Now, Freud didn't get it right? but he knew something was going on in our hearts. The Bible tells us that our hearts are a cauldron of all kinds of desires shaped by sin in some ways and shaped by good things in others. And what I need is insight from someone who will tell me the ugly truth and someone who will tell me the, the pretty truth, okay? And I need both from a good counselor. Tell me the ugly truth. Give me some insight into ways that my heart is selfish and proud and and, uh, demanding and relentless and, and lustful and greedy. Give me some insight into my own heart. And please, please, affirm me where I'm going in the right direction. Help me know when I'm stepping forward in ways that are healthy, you see. And a good counselor gives insight. Now, here's the point. Jesus Christ. We are told in Colossians 2, verse 3. We are told of Jesus Christ. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And though it's not in your outline, there's a verse where it says, For Jesus knew what was in the heart of a man. I love that verse. Because I do pastoral counseling with people and I... And and sometimes I say, I wonder what's going on. (laughs) I wonder what's going on in her heart or in his heart. And I'm not sure. But I know who is sure. I know who does know them. It's Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he takes our hearts and he plants them by streams of living water. That's the Jeremiah passage. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. And then God's word and God's spirit come and reshape the heart, inform the heart. This is, oh Friends, this is really interesting. Freud got it wrong. So the other cognitive therapists emerged. And in, again, Aaron Beck at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, he, he developed what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And and Beck said, you know what, the way a person thinks affects the way a person feels, their emotions, which affects the way a person acts, behavior. And he says they're all sort of tied together. And you know what, he got a lot right. Hmm. But here's the problem. Who decides what right thinking is? You know, right thinking leads to right feeling, leads to right behavior. But who decides what right thinking is or right behavior is? And the answer is the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. God himself decides those things, and we'd have to come to him and to learn, and not just the opinion of your therapist or the opinion of your social worker or the opinion of your lawyer, but what does Jesus say? Are you with me on this? He gives you insight. And then he's just the best communicator, a good counselor who can't talk to you, a good lawyer who can't talk to you and be clear, a good social worker who's not able to explain what is expected of you, have there no help at all. But Jesus, when he spoke, it said the crowds were delighted as he spoke. He spoke as one with authority, and I just challenge you to study the teachings of Jesus, to hear his wisdom and the wisdom of the word. And he gives hope, hope, hope. John Bettler, my counseling professor, I I got out my notes and I remember from the first day of introduction to counseling, Dr. Bettler said, people need hope. And then he stomped across the floor. Hope, 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 hope. Forty years ago, I still remember it. They need hope. And our God, Our Savior Jesus. He is the God of hope who fills you with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you overflow with what's the next word? Hope. Hope. Why should I listen to Him? Pastor John, there are so many voices out there. Let me give you two reasons. The first is His track record. And his track record is unparalleled. There's no one like him. Uh, if you Google uh, changed lives by Jesus, just Google it. How many hits do you think you'll find? Changed lives in the Bible. It's so beautiful. They, they just pop right up. I think of Zacchaeus. Google one, one writer. He said Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? This. Short, mean, selfish, greedy, thieving tax collector. Everybody hated him. The Louis de Palma from Taxi. And he's encounter- he encounters Jesus Christ, and his heart is changed. Mary Magdalene. It says she had seven demons. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I listen to radio preachers talk about demon deliverance all the time. I think a lot of it's a bunch of hooey. But, but Mary had seven demons. And whatever it is, it's bad. And Jesus changes her life. Mary Magdalene is a beloved woman of our Lord Jesus Christ and serves Him with joy. Or, or think about... Um, Nicodemus, he was on that third list on the Google page. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was your tenured university professor who had an American Express black card and is a member at the Creek Club and sits on the town council. Does he need a counselor? But He comes to Jesus at night. He's ashamed. He's confused. Yes, he needs Jesus and he meets Jesus and he becomes a follower of Jesus and we know at the end of the Gospel of John that he is no longer confused or he is no longer ashamed of Jesus Christ but he comes out of the shadow as his Lord is hanging on the cross and he comes to Pontius Pilate and he says, give me the body of my Lord and I don't care who knows of my love for him changed lives. You google it. Lives changed. Did you, anybody go to, to down to Broadway and see Amazing Grace this year? The story of the drunken slave trader John Newton who becomes the most one of the most powerful witnesses for and change agents in the world that we've ever seen. And we presbyterians right, we like to claim Alice Cooper. Anybody know Alice Cooper? A rock and roll, drugs, crazed musician who comes to faith in Jesus Christ and now goes to Bible studies with R.C. Sproul. I, I watched him on the golf channel to playing one of those pro-am tournaments and Alice Cooper's a very good golfer but he's being interviewed and he talks about his faith in Jesus Christ and he loves the doctrines of grace and Reformed Presbyterian theology. Hallelujah! Changed lives. Why should I listen to him? I'll tell you why. It's the second name that follows the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. And Jesus Christ is the one of whom the Father said at the Mount of of Transfiguration This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Oh, friends, human counselors will fail you. Pastors will fail you. But there is one who never fails. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God who died to bring reconciliation in your family systems with God the Father and with your brothers and sisters seated around you. Are you keeping your appointment? I have to tell you, I've been stood up a lot in my life. Maybe, I don't know if anybody in here has done it. But, you know, people make appointments appointments with me. Pastor, I'd like to talk, and I have it in my calendar, and I'm waiting. And they don't show. Or maybe they show, and, and I... And I have good listening skills and I have empathy and sympathy and and I understand their relational dynamics and I help them find security and significance and I talk to them about uh, uh, with insight into their lives and their responses. Uh, Whatever. Hurts a little bit. But don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. Keep your appointments with him. Every Lord's Day, come and get counsel from him. Every day at your prayer closet, come and meet with him in your personal worship. Come. Jesus says, come to me. Will you come to him now? And communion is a time to come, an appointment to keep with the Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Lord,